Julia's writing is just incredible. I have to remind people, people ask, did she write the whole thing? It kind of bums me out that people don't automatically think that this young woman is shredding the entire movie, but she is. She's that good. And I, I, I'm hoping that times change where people can look at a film and just know that young female writers, yeah, they are that good. Welcome to Trail Effect, episode 26. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. For episode 26, we bring you Christina Waite. Christina is a very talented illustrator and artist who created the fun and educational trail tips comics for the organization formerly known as Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz. Christina was also the creative genius behind the movie Last Day of Summer, which made its debut in 2019 as part of the Race Face Creator series. This movie won the Creative Excellence Award at the Banff Film Festival in 2020. We also discussed various topics related to women in mountain biking and how to be a good trail user. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service retailer for Trek Bicycle Company and Salsa Cycles. Smith's also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wellenek of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who have shared their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. So here we are at Trail Effect. I have Christina Waite. Christina is the owner slash empire manager slash everything you want to call it of Sketchy Trails. And Sketchy Trails is has done some pretty awesome stuff in the world of mountain biking in terms of trail tips and other artwork and a movie related to mountain biking. So how's it going today, Christina? Uh, today is beautiful and sunny in Washington State. So all smiles over here. <laughs> That is awesome. Let's go into your backstory a little bit. Um, how you get into art and kind of where what brought you to where you are now? Yeah. Um, so I've always been drawing since I was a kid. I have really creative parents and uh, my mother ran an art summer camp. And so I was always drawing, doing paper mache, making homemade paper, like anything crafty. Uh, I was doing it. And when I started... I have a twin sister and she started drawing. And of course, we're twins. So if she does something, I have to do too. (laughs) So she was drawing things she saw. Then I started drawing things I saw too. And I realized it's like, oh, I think I was drawing, I was drawing people, specifically bands um, that I really enjoyed listening to then. And so I realized I have a knack to be able to draw what I see. And when I was in high school trying to figure out what I wanted to be, I had no idea what I went to an arts fair and they're like, oh, you should be an illustrator. What's an illustrator? Like, oh, you could do kids books. I was like, cool, I'm going to be a children's book illustrator. That's what I'm going to be. I, I found this university, San Jose State. Uh, day one, I met with the advisor. She's like, you're not going to be a children's book illustrator. I was like, what? Really? 
She's like, instead, we're going to gear towards like film and TV and video games, um, maybe not print. Uh, so I went through a program and then I graduated uh, and I went and worked at a mobile gaming studio after that. Um, and so I was a digital artist there. I don't know how much you want me to go in the story of that, but that's kind of like how I started uh, being towards a professional artist. So I definitely feel lucky that I went to uh, San Jose State University, majored in animation illustration, and to this day still using my degree. So I feel pretty excited about that and, and proud. I like love the people that I met and networked, and they got me to where I am today. So you grew up in California, correct? Correct. So what, what brought you up to the Pacific Northwest, up into the Washington and Seattle area? So that ties into the previous one. Uh, so I was let go of that, uh, of, the, of the company I was working for, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, what my next steps would be. And I went to Washington when I was younger, and I thought it was so amazing. I was a mountain biker at the time, and I was mountain biking all Northern California. More XC, I had a 120 millimeter hardtail by Berlin, and I loved it. It was so much fun. Uh, but I wanted more of it. And so there's a bunch of, uh, a lot of gaming studios and a lot of like art opportunities up in Washington. So it's like, I didn't see myself staying in the Bay Area. So it's like, I'm just going to go up there. I didn't have a job. And I packed my bags and I drove up to Washington because I, you know, I've always lived in California. I thought that this was the best time to move. Like I had nothing holding me back to California. So I thought I would try it. Worst comes to worst, I just go back to California. Um, I ended up coming up here and like absolutely loved it. It took a little while to get my grounding here. Thank goodness for sketchy trails because uh, trying to get back into the gaming industry up here was really difficult. It was really tough after having like all these interviews. And it's another long story that we don't have to go into. Uh, but. <laughs> Uh, I mountain biking up here is so much. I don't want to say it's better, but there's more difficult, and I just like the types of trails we had up here even more. And I just fell in love with mountain biking even more, and the outdoors even more. You know. So let's back up a little bit. How did you get into mountain mm -hmm. biking? What drew you into this uh, awesome activity that we do? <laughs> also, my twin sister. <laughs> she she is a huge influence, obviously. Uh, so my twin sister was mountain biking. She lived in Santa Cruz at the time and she was super into riding and cross country. And she's like, you gotta do it. I was like, nah, I got other things on my plate. Like didn't interest me that much. Uh, eventually and she rode for, I think three years before I did it. I visited her once and she's like, we have to go. And I was like, fine. And I was on this old rock hopper. I think it was a rock hopper. And the fork was like those spring forks that you see. And I, she took me down in Santa Cruz Wilder Ranch. And I just had a ton of fun. I thought it was just a blast. I've been riding bikes too my whole life, but never mountain biking. It's like, this is so fun. And, uh, but it's expensive. And it took me a little while to get a bike after that. I had... Most nice. I got a little bonus at work, and you know what? It's the time to get a bike. And so I went to the Marin factory store in in uh, San Francisco with a budget, 
I'm really small. $1,000 doesn't, unfortunately, it doesn't go that far, but it went far enough to give me this awesome mountain bike. And I knew some people who were riding and I worked with, and then we just would go every weekend and start out small. I was not good at the time. My fitness was not up to the level I think it needed to be. And I almost quit because it was so hard. Like the physical, the need to do the XC trails, a ton of climbing and long days. It was such a struggle, but I just kept pushing forward and getting through. And I broke through that fitness level. And then I just rode more and more. And I haven't stopped riding since. So, and that probably also sounds like that helped you decide on the Pacific Northwest as, as well, or at least the Seattle area. Mm-hmm. How did you decide or why did you decide to start blending your art into mountain biking, which probably led to sketchy trails, mm-hmm. I'm assuming? Yeah. Uh, so I like to keep a sketchbook, a little book that I go and I draw what I see. If I go hiking, I'll draw. Uh, I used to do like daily word uh I would choose a word and just try to draw something related to it in my book. And my uh, sister, my twin sister, once again, that's a very common theme of how much she influences my life. She uh, visited from Whistler and we were going mountain biking at Tiger Mountain. And she got super turned into an amazing, strong, confident rider that summer. When we rode Tiger down predator i didn't write it because i just was not their skill level at the time still on my hardtail and she just blew me away and so i went back to my sketchbook that night to draw my daily sketch i try to do a daily drawing every day and i drew her and it was just like clicked i drew it and i stopped and i looked at the illustration after it's like this is like the, this looks like i Loved it. I had it was, thought it was so much fun to draw. And it just looked completely different than anything that I've normally been drawing. But I felt like that was what my style would be. You know, I've been drawing for my whole life. And you always see these artists who have a personal style, something that you can look at their work. Like, that's clearly James Jean, or that's clearly like this person. And so I looked at it and I was like, this is. This is it. And so at that point, I pivoted to drawing more bikes when I felt like I found the type of drawing and the theme that I like to do the best. Like I love to do the most. I draw it well. It just made sense because I love mountain biking. So I, every day I'd make a challenge to draw um, a different like mountain biking inspired drawing. I started to develop my style from there. And yeah, then I just, haven't I thought no joke I thought I would be out of ideas after like the fifth drawing it's like I don't know how many drawings of mountain bikes I can realistically do it's like I'm gonna run out of themes there's the there's the jumpy there's the berms there's the quarter what else is there I thought I would run out of ideas and uh fast forward I want to say three years later I have too many ideas that I can't even get on the page all revolving around mountain biking or the theme or nature and and so it's I've definitely I guess impressed myself in that way I found this style and now it's also a new challenge and fun to pivot and see where I can take this style next Um, sketchy trails came from I actually don't think I ever really share this sketchy trails came from me not getting the domain I wanted 
<laughs> so I I uh, wanted to get a website to post my art. Like I posted my first share of my artwork was on Reddit and it got some traction. People were like, oh, this is cool. Are you going to sell prints? It's like, hmm, maybe I, maybe I will sell prints. Like, why not? I need to sell them somewhere. Make a website. And I really wanted the domain sketchylines.com. Because uh, I just felt like lines, like lines drawn on a page. They didn't have it. And so I sat down a bit. I was like, what else can I do? Maybe sketchy trails? And that felt pretty good to me. And I was like, okay, sketchy trails. And that's ended up my domain. And I honestly think it's way better than sketchy lines. So it <laughs> worked, out, worked out a lot better. Yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those happy accidents. Yeah, totally. Now, were you working for someone else at the time, or do you were you on your own already when you started Sketchy Trails, or what was kind of what was going on yeah. there? Um, I was on my own at the time, so I was still technically unemployed, trying to look for work at that time. So this was um, on the side, and I I got a couple freelance gigs during that period of time, but nothing full time. And so I feel really fortunate that that picked up, and I think the timing was perfect because. Obviously, I wasn't working at a studio at the time, so I had the time and the ability to develop this new style, and it just kept getting more traction, and people started seeing me and hiring me to do commissions and t-shirts and posters, and it's kind of come gone from there, and I that eventually turned into my full-time job, which is what I'm still doing now. So I feel feel super super fortunate, but I've also worked pretty hard to like seize the opportunity. So what are some of the clients you've had? I mean, I, I was looking at your website and it sounds like you've had Shimano, obviously at Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz, which recently rebranded. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the clients within the, within the industry and, and some of the work they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shimano is definitely the biggest client of mine and I work, do a lot of work for them. Uh, a lot, which has been great. Uh, so I actually have a new book coming out with them that should come out maybe June. Uh, it's probably the biggest project that I've done with them. Uh, I did their tuning guide last year, uh, which is this pamphlet they they were given at bike shops around the around the country, which was really exciting. Uh, so Shimano is probably the biggest, most well known company that I've done in the largest projects. Uh, I think what's kind of been the biggest, I would say the biggest client as far as expanding my brand uh, and awareness would be Seth's Bike Hacks. I really think maybe 75% of the people who know me may have come from Seth. Uh, and because I, he reached out to me to do the garage doors after BKXC. BKXC hired me to do an illustration for Seth. Seth loved it. He saw it. He's like, cool, you want to do my garage? And then that just exploded sketchy trails. Um, I think most of the clients, as far as more well-known clients, I guess you'd say, Chris King was probably a big one. Did some work for Prevello Bikes, which is a kid's bicycle company down in California. Uh, I mostly do a lot of work with trail organizations and bike shops. I think 
uh, like mountain bikers of Santa Cruz is uh, a big one. I've done work for Evergreen, which is our mountain bike association. I've done, gosh, I should have, I should have a list. It kind of like blurs together, honestly. Uh, but as far as I think most notable clients, that could be it. It's a ton of shops. Like I said, a ton of shops. And So let's back up just a little bit. <laughs> you talked about a book mm-hmm. for Shimano. Is that, is that like an in-house for vendors again, or is that something more for the public? It's for the public. It's going to be really awesome. I don't know if I could talk about it. Okay. I should have asked them if I could, but... Um, you you, you didn't hear look, it here first. Just close your ears and we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, it's not... Yeah, it's, it'll come out soon enough. Uh, but it's I'm really excited to share it because it's something that's so different from anything else that I've done. It's still involving bikes, but... It shows a sense of humor that I don't think I ever portray in my work. I think my work is always very serious. You know, it's mountain bikers riding in the forest. Uh, but this one is just has more. I don't, it, I'd almost could put it more in the category of like Sunday comics type thing with that type of humor. It's a lot of puns and fun illustrations. It's not all just people writing. I'm super excited to share it. So I wish I could talk more about it, but I can't. (laughs) So let's go into into the organizations that you've done work with, uh, specifically the Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz and their trail Mm -hmm. tips. That, Mm -hmm. to me, it really struck a chord in a positive way because you are getting the message out there about the proper way to use trails, especially as mountain bikers. Mm-hmm. And you did it in a very proactive educational way. Mm-hmm. So what are your, uh, what was the, what was kind of the, like, how did that come about even doing that work? And then like kind of working through it and how it's been. Yeah. Uh, Mount Bikers of Santa Cruz. I've been working with them for a while because I know some people who are part of the organization. You know, my twin sister lived in Santa Cruz. I met some of her friends who are in the organization down there. And so when they needed some art. Oh, there was other projects I did for them beforehand. I wish I could remember. Oh, I did some flyer designs early on for Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz, trying to get uh, people to show up to, like, to build more trails, trying to get people to go to town hall meetings and such. And so I did some flyers for them. Ended up doing a large campaign with them called Return of Saw Pit which I also had a banner up in Santa Cruz headquarters. That was super awesome. Like my art on the size of the wall, the window for Santa Cruz bikes was neat. Uh, And then they reached out to me. They had this idea of needing to educate a lot of writers, you know, with the huge increase of writers due to COVID as well. They felt like a lot of people just weren't aware of the untold, I don't want to say untold, but you don't see these like guidelines at trailheads, you know, and they felt like there needs to be a more fun way to get these, the fun, friendly way to, to, you know, educate people on the rules of trails. And so they gave, they already had what they had. They already had the ideas in mind for each strip. Like, Oh, you know, climbers have the right of way. Don't ride on the wet trails. And they had a list and they just gave me full freedom to just do what I could with them. Like, all right, here you go. Like, we totally trust your vision. You've done so much work for us in the past. Just 
do something awesome. And so I definitely feel like sometimes when I don't have a really strict creative, uh, how would I put it? A really strict, like a, I don't want to say guide, uh, but there's no rules on the visual style. So I took it as that I needed to have the visuals be just as powerful as the words because a lot of people this is going to be on uh instagram their social media even trailheads that i want that a person doesn't have to read it to understand the same thing uh and just figured like the more fun it is hopefully someone would stop and look at it and give the time like oh cool this looks neat okay pick up my trash okay cool i will pick up trash um just remind people to remind writers already who, you know, years and years may not consider it as much. Yeah. I'm not sure if completely answered it, but I, because I, I didn't have much of a say as far as the rules. They just asked me to illustrate them. So how's the reception been? <laughs> it's been pretty good. Um, I think, of course, the most, I don't want to say controversial because I don't think there should be any controversy is of the uphill writers have the right of way. And a lot of people argue that like, why do uphillers have the right of way? Like I will, I pull to the side when I go uphill because I understand that downhillers have more fun. So I want them to have fun. So when I, I see this, these comments on not just my Instagram posting that comic, but on others too, people arguing back and forth. And I feel like I feel very strongly about uphillers having the right away because, you know, the person coming downhill, like they can go so fast. You don't, it's hard for you to get out of the way sometimes. And what if you don't hear them? Cause some people have silent hubs uh, and it's just better to be, it's easier to be a more cautious downhill writer than a, Cautious uphill rider is that even a thing? I don't know. Uh, but I, I've almost been hit by people going too fast downhill. So I feel really strongly about everything, every comic that I did and the rule that they suggest, I feel strongly about it. Like you can't argue pick up your trash. You can't argue being nice to equestrian riders and hikers. We don't, mountain bikers don't own the trails. You have to be respectful especially California where California seems to be taking mountain bike privileges away. Uh, people need to, people should definitely be on their best behavior everywhere. Honestly, I, I don't want, I have a bell. That's also a controversy. I haven't done a comic on it yet, but I'm also pro bell ride when it's a two way trail. Uh, Cause it's not just you. I think there's so much entitlement to trails in this community, but having to be aware of, that it's just it's used by everyone and to be respectful of it we should deviate into the bell discussion <laughs> okay go for it <laughs> here's my experience of the bell mm-hmm. originally i went and i guess i'm going to speak specifically of like a timber bell okay that which basically you can turn it on and off and yeah, it rings I on its that. own you know mm-hmm. so you don't have to ding it you have it actually actually like it better Mm-hmm. I was initially resistant to things like the timber bell because I thought it'd be mm-hmm. super annoying in the woods and people want a quiet experience. I've since gotten a timber bell. I got one probably halfway through last summer, primarily because of, like you said, COVID uh, trail use around the world was just up for all users, not just mountain bikers, hikers, everything. 
And I have gotten more positive comments from hikers yeah. specifically that have said, thank you very much for having that bell. I just had mm-hmm. it yesterday again when I was out riding with a friend mm-hmm. and we were actually talking about having positive experiences right before we had the positive experience. <laughs> so I would assume that yours is the same. I do have a timber bell. I, uh, before I had a, just like a regular little cowbell because the Santa Barbara trail, sage trail ends, I believe they have this bell box that's at the bottom of two way trails. It's like, take a bell, use it, return it on after the end of the ride or take it and donate to the trail organization. I was like, this is so cool. Cause I like that. I can turn it off. I have, I ended up buying the timber one cause I can turn it off and I don't need it. Cause a lot of Washington trails are bike only. And I don't need to worry about the bell um, on the downhill. If I know it's busy. I will have it. And, but I've also had so many people thank me, especially hikers too, that just knew I was coming. And in regards to the uphill, downhill, who has the right of way, if you want the right of way as a downhiller, wear a bell. Because I can tell you by the time you get to those hikers or bikers, they will be on the side of the trail and you can keep riding. It's almost, it's like, I have better downhill experience from wearing a bell. And honestly, it's the timber bell has a very pleasant sound. It's not an annoying ding, ding, ding. It's a nice little like, it's nice i actually think it makes me like more pumped to ride i feel like i'm at the races with the hecklers like go go i'm um, having a a ton of fun riding with it so yeah you can hear me and my friend says it motivates her too uh but i also shared um our community mountain bikers about the bell box and people rage they're like oh i don't my mountain bike experience to be ruined by someone's dinging belt. It's like, it's not about you. It's about the hikers and everyone else who wants to know where you are. It's like, did you, are you, did you build these trails? Do you own these trails with exclusive rights? You don't. Just, I'm pro bell. I should make t-shirts not say that. Go, go cowbells. <laughs> need more, need more cowbell. Yeah. Uh, well, everything you're talking about is the ex- exact experience I've had. You know, and and I was and I was skeptical at first, you know, Mm -hmm. but until I just basically folded and said, "Okay, I'm going to get one of these things and start using it and realize that, oh, everybody really does like these things. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely a positive. It's been a very pleasant, positive experience. Yeah, it's like twenty four dollars for a great experience. Not much. Yeah. Yeah, actually, our uh, our local trail organization did a fundraiser specifically to raise money to give bells to all the kids on our NICA team here locally last fall. Awesome. To get all those kids bells. And that's like a hundred kids, you know, so there's a yeah. hundred more bells. That's amazing. So. They're coming. <laughs> yep. You know, and, and kids like to rip, you know. That's true. Yeah. So totally. with kids liking to rip, let's roll into, uh, your movie last day of summer and maybe the backstory behind mm-hmm. how that came about from an inspiration standpoint mm-hmm. and how it all came yeah. together. Yeah. Uh, so I've always wanted to make an animation of my comics. I, I do, I called it the, the trail series, which is a bunch of outdoor, mostly mountain biking inspired comics. I just document my experience specific day on a trail. Um, in a graphic novel style. I was like, wow, 
And people would always comment like graphic styles. Like, and I think animated comics are really neat. Um, and just always, and then I rode with my friend, Luke Humphrey, who's an amazing, uh, this, uh, uh, makes amazing video edits not just mountain biking, but beautiful, stunning cinematography and landscapes. And probably a year before I made that film, we were talking about some ideas of how to blend, you know, animation and live action, like how to make a different type of, of bike movie. I, I do see, I, I watch a lot of mountain bike videos. I do find a lot of them are kind of similar. Like how can we do something new? And then I saw on Pink Bike Race Face was having the Crater Series contest that like, do you have a dream to make a bike video and you don't have the budget? This is for you. And I was like, what? And then I saw and I wasn't, I was like, this is it. This could be like how I make my film funded. And so I was trying to think about what would a story be for an animated comic? Like, why would it exist? Why would I want to? A, a comic animated so just thinking about what is gained by looking at my comics and uh, what i get or someone else and they say they like looking at them because it feels like they're out on a trail um i've done some comics when i was injured and it just made me feel like i was out riding so i came up with the idea about a writer who breaks their bike and reads a comic book to feel like they're having a fun ride and so that uh, pivoted to first thing, trying to figure out the writer. I was like, who's the writer going to be? It's so important. And I could do it. I really want to do a female, of course, because most of my stuff is female oriented. And I was like, who's the best woman, like most stylish female writer who's just really blown me away. And Sweet Lions has a sugar showdown where all these girls amazingly jump bikes and there's this one young girl julia julia i can never pronounce her middle name i don't even want to try but julia from sweet lines uh instagram shredulia i think i would watch her two years in a row and she was just amazing and so i sent her a message on instagram i was like hey do you want to be in my film <laughs> i was like and then she responded she's like that sounds fun but let me ask my parents first I was like, okay that makes sense I asked her and she's, they said yes. And then I think I asked her after, did I get asked after I won the creator series? But I, uh, the creator series, I had to put together a demo, a budget, a storyline and submit it. And they selected 10 filmmakers to get their films uh, funded. And mine was one of them. I was floored. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to make it. Um, and it was a very collaborative experience. I'd never made a film like it before. So there was a lot of trial and error. Uh, the film turned out unlike I had originally intended, but way better. <laughs> My, I still joke that it turned out way better than expected. And I would say it's a collaborative experience. Julia's writing is just incredible. I have to remind people, people ask, did she write the whole thing? It kind of bums me out that people don't automatically think that this young woman is shredding the entire movie, but she is. She's that good. And I, I, I'm hoping that times change where people can look at a film and just know that young female writers, yeah, they are that good. And, and so I'm hoping that that film would maybe be a start to it. And 
yeah, it's been had some great feedback. And I was I think the highlight of it was winning the Banff Award for Creative Excellence was incredible. And just hearing all the people say it was original and, and fresh. They'd never seen a film like it. And because we tried to inflict, not inflict, that's not the right word. We tried to create a film that had more story. Like those mountain bikes. I love a lot of climbing films. I don't, I don't climb, but I think so many climbing films have so much heart and story. And I just feel for them so much. And I feel for the characters and the whole journey. And I feel like mountain biking films lack it so much. And so I was, yeah, I, 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 I do. I think some of them are really great that I have seen and I just want to see more of them. I do love Life Cycles. I thought that was a very artistic film and just so beautifully made. Uh, I want more films like Life Cycles. So I thought it's like, if you don't, it's kind of the rule. If you don't like something that you've seen, make it yourself. And so I just wanted to make something that was story focused. Yeah. and. I do love shredits. I shouldn't say I don't like them. I love watching really awesome people writing, but I want a, I want a variety of films. Not, so. For sure. And I think mountain biking has hit that level of storytelling that other extreme sports have. Like you watch Banff, maybe two mountain biking films are even in that whole festival. So hopefully change is coming. We'll see. Hopefully. I'm working on my new one right now. So hopefully some... Hopefully that happens. We'll see. So let's put this into perspective. How old is Julia, if you don't mind saying? Because she was. Uh, how old was she when she when you filmed it? That's probably a better yeah, way of putting it. She was thirteen. I believe she was thirteen. So she's a thirteen-year-old ripping female. Yeah, yeah, incredible. And she well, has a uh, herself. So. Let's transition into females in mountain biking. That's mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of the reason why we're here talking today. Mm-hmm. I have two young daughters, uh, they're five and seven. And so it's super important for me to, you know, get them out on bikes and help them feel confident and comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your experience been with that? I mean, obviously, you know, you got into it from your sister and you live in an area that is pretty pro mountain biking yeah. in general, but how's that been? And what do you, and what would you do to recommend for other females to get into the sport? Oh, I'm going to start with that one. Cause that's an easy one. Uh, I think for women who want to get into the sport, I found joining local female mountain biking groups have been the best. Uh, I feel so motivated by being around these other women and see what they ride. And I just love the positive attitudes and hanging out with my friends on the mountain. And I just felt more comfortable and riding with these women more. I moved to a new area. I didn't know anyone as well. So going and riding with the female groups was really big. Uh, but I rode in California with like mixed gender groups and definitely wasn't until I was riding with the female groups up here. I took the sport more seriously. Like I really wanted to focus on progression, which I never even thought about before. Um, and anyway, I just found a really awesome group of women up here who are also really into progression that I, I found through Evergreen Crank Sisters and the Misfits group up here. So that's, I think, the best way for women who are like kind of curious about bikes, go and find a, a woman's trail group, go on a beginner's ride and, and meet them there. And you can progress together. 
I found so many ride partners that I ride outside of the the group rides as well. Uh, so that's that's definitely number one. And then I also have the guys who have the girlfriends who ride, but the girlfriends like not super into it yet. And I tell them, it's like, go get her on. You want your girlfriend to like mountain biking more? Like, don't take her anymore. Take her, have her go to the women's group. You know, it's like, you're such a good rider. You're a little bit intimidating. You know, have riding with people at least similar skill levels when you start out mountain biking is a lot more confidence inducing, in my opinion. Uh, those are my tips. And then as far as my opinions on female writing in general, I, Washington is very much, there's so many strong and so many female writers that no one really doubts their skill levels as much up here. Uh, I've done some writing outside of this area. We're like, oh, you're a woman, you mountain bike, or I go to a, uh, a shop. I'm like on a road trip. I've done some solo ones. Uh, solo road trips and go to a bike shop. And I was like, so what are your local trails? And the first thing that's they say to me like, oh, here's some greens and blues that you try. And I'm like, what do you think I ride? I was like, this is, they do, I've been just assumed that as a woman, I'm on blues and greens. And I'm like, no, where's your black tech trails? And then they look at me like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. If I was some guy who came in and went in and said, hey, what are your best trails? They're probably going to tell them the really sweet black diamond trails. There's actually really sweet blue, blues and greens too, but I'm just using the most extreme example. Uh, but I've had those experiences and I just get kind of frustrated. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that happens as much up here, but I've had those experiences or just feeling really outnumbered on the mountain. Uh, but yeah, it, it feels like hopefully change is coming and hopefully those things won't happen. Uh, but I think women are still seen as such a, a seen incapable sometimes, or I don't even know how to change that other than just keep dry women just doing huge jumps because they can actually do huge jumps. <laughs> I don't want to, no, I want to be told, yes, you can. So. Yes. Mm -hmm. I had Angie Weston on. That was an interview that came out a week or two ago. And, okay. and she was a great interview for, for this type of stuff because that's what she focuses on, you know, and, and getting, and she talked a little bit about women's free ride and the whole women's free ride movement and how it's, you know, now they're getting into early days of Red Bull Rampage type stuff, you know, mm -hmm. that formation. Yes, that's exactly mm -hmm. it. Yes. And, but you hit, you know, you hit on a good topic, which is, you know, if you go into a bike shop or wherever it is you're going to find out what trails are, um, listeners don't assume just because it's a female that she doesn't know how to ride. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Also don't so. judge someone by their bike either. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for sure. So speaking of traveling, um, this is the trail effect podcast. And a lot of what we do is specific to trails. Mm -hmm. Do you have any kind of like benchmarks or things that you see when you go to a community that things that make a good trail community in general or things that maybe stick out to you if you, if you were traveling, you know, that you want to see or that you like to see when you do travel or even the community you live in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think 
I do like it. I think sometimes it's kind of viewing it from an observer. If I'm riding somewhere, I may not talk to these people at all, but if I see just like a group of people having a ton of fun together, I'm like, I have good vibes from these people. I've also had a, some good examples are I am riding somewhere that I don't know and I'm lost and I look lost and automatically someone asks me, do you need help? Do you know where you are? I was like, that feels really friendly to me. Um, uh, those are good experiences. I have had, I was in Ashland, Oregon, riding on the mountain. We do, took a shuttle up and I met these uh, two these two guys who are also visiting and we were talking about like, I don't know which trails to go. They're like, oh, we ride here all the time. Like totally come with us. It's a great example of not being judged by my gender. Actually, they didn't even ask my skill level. They're like, we're just going to take you on the best trails. And they were slightly more technical, but I just went. Like it was, it was nice. It's like oh, that feels good. But I just had like everyone I was talking to in the area was super fun and friendly. It's just if someone is responsive to you, it's also big. Uh, if you're like sometimes I sometimes I feel more social than others if I'm asking for trails. Like oh, so what's a good trail? Or can you take me down this trail, please? Do you mind if I follow? Uh, those are good signs of a good trail areas of just if people are inclusive um, and not like, Oh, don't talk to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that's it. I think that answers that. Do you have any communities? Maybe a community is Ashland, but it, do you have any communities that stick out to you that you've traveled to? I've traveled to. I do think that Santa Cruz is pretty friendly. Uh, but that's also, I know people there too. But I don't think that's a really good example. Uh, Oregon, I've had really good ex- experiences with. You know, like Ashland is one of them. Uh, I've been to, actually, I even thought the lumber yard, I don't know if that counts, but it should. The lumber yard, which is the indoor mountain bike park in Portland, that was super friendly as well. People were, so, I had the best time every time I go. And that extends to the, the Greenwood their city park as well. Uh, I haven't traveled super far out. Uh, I also went riding in uh, the Netherlands once. That was wild. The people there are really friendly. I like, yeah, we'll take you to our hill. I met this guy who was mountain bike. He's like, oh, you mountain bike too? He's like, let's go. There's this huge hill climb. Are you ready for it? And the Netherlands is pretty flat. <laughs> so... We we got at the top of like what they call the hill. I was like, that is it. Oh my gosh, that is nothing compared to California hills. But the people there are really friendly for mountain biking too. Yeah. So we're about to wrap this thing up. Mm-hmm. Do you have any parting words as far as advice to people before we get into closing stuff as far as like talking about supporters and that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I would leave my biggest one is progress naturally. <laughs> Um, and finding a really good group of friends to ride with is really big. Uh, and I think just, I'm going to have some life requests is if you find a passion just to keep going, if you have any hurdles to just keep going, um, no, I found the arts and I blended my passion and it may pivot and go different directions over time, but 
know, finding something that gives me excitement every day, like even mountain biking is important. So. Awesome. So do you have any uh, supporters, sponsors, uh, people specifically that you want to thank for kind of getting you where you are? You, you did mention BKXE for, uh, yeah. for getting you on the sets and then sets parlaying into 75% yeah. or maybe a lot of what I you guess do. I would give a huge thank you to all the, a lot of the social media influencers. Cause you're right. Uh, definitely the social media influencers, influencers are all about collaboration. So I did collaborations with IFHT, with BKXE, with Single Track Sampler, with Sus Bike Hacks. And they are all so nice. And I've ridden with all of them. And they are just such good people. are always looking out for everyone's best interests. Like, how can I help you? How can I like help your business? Uh, and people have been so friendly and wanting to help me along the way. Of course, my twin sister is like my biggest motivator to even do this mountain biking uh, art business. Um, and then, yeah, I'm not sponsored by anyone, so I don't have to thank any sponsors other than just my awesome, <laughs> my awesome friends and family, and anyone I ride with, and who I meet in the future. And I miss Canada. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait for COVID to be over so I can go have awesome adventures in Whistler again in Squamish. You want the borders open back up? Yeah. I, I, I ran into a friend that I hadn't seen in a year on a trail yesterday. And it was so bizarre because I only ride with two other people right now during the lock during COVID. And I definitely miss everyone riding with, and I hope to ride with you all again soon. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That's kind of how it's been where I live too, where you kind of have your little tight circle of people that you mm -hmm. continue to ride with or even solo efforts. So, yeah. Well, Christina, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and sitting down for an interview. Thank you. It's been fun. It's nice to have a reflection on my, my career. Thank you very much for listening to the Christina Waite interview. In our next show, we will be getting back to featuring great trail communities with Carlo Alfano and the River's Edge Trail System located in Brunswick, Maryland. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, please remember to leave a comment and rate the show wherever you consume your podcasts. This podcast has been made possible by Mountain Bike Radio, Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and is an Evolution Trail Services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. <laughs> <laughs>